0: This is a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org. When I um, look at the goodness and the beauty of the congregation from where I'm standing, by the way, you look so awesome from where I am. Uh, this This is a prime spot to see such beauty. Uh, from once where I was sitting, I was just seeing the wall, but now I can see lovely faces. My goodness, give yourself a hand. <laughs> I want to honor Pastor uh, Rob and Dr. Maggie Hollands, the shepherds of this great congregation, Pastor Tepedza and Esther uh, Masanganise, and all the elders uh, and the leadership uh, of this great church. I'm here with my wife and uh, our two boys and our niece, uh, I, I wanted to place them in strategic areas to uh, push their aimings uh, uh, with the congregation. Uh, I, I forgot to tell them, so you now know the cat is out of the bag. This is a phenomenal series, Gagging Jesus. It's an amazing series. When I was invited to take part, first I casually glanced at the topic, so I thought "Ah, I was going to talk about bless you, bless you, bless, 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 talk about well, talk about and when I read it deep, I realized that really we're dealing with issues that Jesus said. But as the body of Christ, we're not too keen or too anxious to talk about them. wish we never mentioned those things. And, and therefore, we lose out the essence of true discipleship. The salt melts away and we become useless because we've gone for the flamboyant, for the popular, and not really dealt with the issues that Jesus dealt with his disciples. That touched me. And I must congratulate the leadership of this great church to have boldly taken this subject and said, This is what we're going to shepherd the people. And not many churches will do that. We, we go for the popular, we go for, the, for, 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 for what sells, for the, the latest, and, and uh, the anointing, all the miracle money, and all that, and still, and yet leave the people thirsty and hungry for the truth of the Word of God. So, it's an honor for me, really a privilege, to share this word uh, with you uh, on uh, Gagging Jesus, the series uh, that has been going on. Uh, so I just want to pray, and, and, and I feel a heart for, for, uh, for Pastor Tapiz. I know, Brother Mike, you've prayed for him, but I just want to pray for, for the word. Father, we thank you for who you are in Jesus Christ, that... When we didn't even care about you, you died for us. Soften our hearts. Give us a heart of flesh this morning. Let your word bear fruit that remains. We surrender all to you and say, Father, have your way. When I speak by God, let them hear twice. Touch them in places only your word can touch. Only you, Holy Spirit, can reach. Let no one leave this place the same way they came, for there is power in your word to change lives. Change us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. What did you do last week to help somebody in need? Maybe last month? Did you have an opportunity to meet somebody who had a need? And what did you do about it? I'm not asking for answers, have you considered putting aside something precious in order to meet the need of somebody who is needy? What is your response when you see needy people? Have you in the last month set aside prayers or thoughts or some time to help the needy to be with orphans, to, to the fatherless, to so many needy people that are in our nation? or you just focus on yourself and your world? Have you shared your love, your kindness, even your substance with somebody in need? During the last week, the last month, probably even the last year. Uh, ultimately, Christ is the greatest need. I, I, I understand that, I, I give you that. Christ is the greatest need everybody has. When we have Christ, yes, that is the ultimate. But there are other needs beyond receiving Christ, beyond the gospel, that even Jesus himself met and expects us as the body of Christ to meet. We see in the book of Matthew um, 11, verse 4 to 5, when the disciples of John went to Jesus to say, are you the one who was sent? And Jesus' response was, go and tell them that the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the lepers are healed, and the gospel is preached to the poor. Over and above preaching the gospel, there were other needs that Jesus met, and he didn't make it a condition that you must be born again before I can help you. He helped them because these are needs beyond the gospel that us as the body of Christ are expected to meet. There's a passage I want to share with you. It's 15 verses, and I make no apology for reading such a long passage it's in Matthew chapter 25 verse 31 it's the last parable, I think parable is not the right word but let's live with that for now it's the last parable in the book of Matthew in chapter 25, there are three parables packed in chapter 25 and this is the last parable Jesus shares before he goes to the cross which is about this time as Easter is approaching us, so it's Smack on in terms of uh, time in history that we're sharing this particular scripture. The first paragraph, parable rather, that is in the book of uh, Matthew is a well-known parable. It's a parable of the ten virgins. Five foolish, five wise. The foolish ones were foolish because they were not ready, plain and simple. The wise ones were wise because they were ready. So that teaches us about readiness. And then the second one is about talents, where The master left three of his stewards, one with five, another with two, and the third one with one, and expected them to do something upon his return. Only two of them did something. They doubled what they had, and the third one didn't. And of course, we know the rest of the story. This teaches us about stewardship. And then we come to this particular passage, which is really what we're going to focus on this morning. But its importance, I thought I'll preempt its importance and underline its significance as it is the last teaching that Jesus does to the public before he goes on to the cross. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and you separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and will place the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then you say to those on the left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and He did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then you will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it. me, As you did not do it to one of the list of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Hmm. John Wesley, the famous Methodist preacher, once said, Do all the good that you can, by all the means you can. In all the ways you can, in all the places you can, in all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. What a model to live life by. What a philosophy to live by. Let me just point out right up front that Jesus in this teaching is not teaching that our entry into heaven depends on our works. No, he's not. Let me just make that clear as an addendum right up front because none of our good works are good enough to gain us entry into heaven. Instead, God has saved us to do good works first as the root of the fruit of our salvation. Without salvation as the root, we are not going to produce the good works that Jesus wants us to produce. Our works are like filthy rags, it says so in the Bible. Unto the Lord, when we try to to do those works in place of our accepting Christ, in place of Christ on on the cross. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Our salvation is grace, it's not by works. We've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. So you cannot work for your salvation. It is the gift of God. It has been given to us for free. Not as a result of work. So none of our works will end as salvation. I just want to underline that. So that no one may boast. Because we might get to heaven and say, we deserve to be here. We worked whilst we are on earth. It is our right to be here. We have arrived. Somebody once mentioned, this is my side, that when we get to heaven, there are going to be two surprises. Surprise number one, the people who made it to heaven, you thought, would never make it. And surprise number two, the people who did not make it to heaven, you thought, definitely these are heaven bound. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ. We are his workmanship crafted in Jesus Christ. For what? For good works. We are crafted for good works, but we need that crafting. That comes as a result of salvation, as a result of receiving Christ. With Christ in us, the hope of glory, we are crafted for good works. We become his workmanship and therefore able to do the good works that he's talking about. We can't do them outside salvation because they are filthy rags. This is the good works which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them says they were prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. So there's no mystery, there's no discovery, there's no surprise, there's no wonder. They're already prepared. He's made it so easy that when he gives us Christ to craft us, he prepares ways for us to walk through. In order that we can bring salvation to the rest of the world says they were prepared for us in advance. It's like, it's like the, 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 the railway, ra- railway line, the railway tracks. The train has no choice but to be, as long as it moves forward, it will make progress. It can get off, it can turn, it is no surprise what the route is going to be as long as it stays on track. Yes. So that's how we've been crafted. So as long as we sail, stay on track, <laughs> as long as we stay on track, we produce the good works. Christ manifests himself. His glory is manifested in us. Who he is becomes apparent and the world clamors for us, begins to be thirsty. Why? Because we produce good works as a result of that craftsmanship. That's That's <laughs> you know, our actions reveal who we are. Really, our actions reveal who we are. A lot more than what we say It's our actions that reveal who we are. (laughs) That is why sometimes in hiring people at a certain level, certain corporations will take you away from your familiar environment and let you mingle with people who are positioned to observe your conduct and your behavior. And the hiring decisions are made on the basis of how you held yourself in certain situations which were observed without you being aware. Because your actions reveal who you are. Not your CV. Your actions reveal who you are. Not what you say, but your actions reveal who you are. How we treat the poor reveals what we truly think of them. How we treat the poor, it reveals really what we think of Jesus Christ. In the famous movie, Eddie Murphy, Coming to America, uh, it's a little old for a number of people that are around here. But for some of us, those are the golden oldies. <laughs> in the movie, Eddie Murphy, Coming to America, Eddie Murphy, he, he plays the role of the son of a famous and prosperous king in this kingdom. And, and, and every little girl, or oh, not little, but every girl in that kingdom wishes they were married to uh, Eddie Murphy, so they throw themselves over this uh, Eddie Murphy he acts the role of the son. And this, this affects him, that these people are really just after his world. So he decides to go to America, hence coming to America, and disguises himself as a pauper. He poses himself as, as a poor man who actually has to live in very, very uh, uh, substandard conditions, simply to find out if he can get true love. See, Jesus comes to us (laughs) through people in need to reveal our hearts. He comes disguised as a needy person, really just to reveal our hearts, to find out how we will respond to him through this needy person in whom he has come through. See, we have one act on Sunday and another for the poor Monday to Saturday quick to present this picture, this readiness to help the needy in an environment like this. But once we get out of the gate, it's a different story. I watched a a clip, the very few times I watched ZTV, there was a clip uh, on there about these beggars who would, on a Sunday, go to these mega churches that had car parks four times the size of the church property itself, the church building itself, because of the prosperity, so the wait at the gate expecting to get something. This is true, quoted here, I mean captured here in Zimbabwe. And the reporter was asking the success of their endeavors, and said, ah, these Christians, ah, you know, they, they drive their cars going in and uh, drive their cars leaving, and uh, they don't even look at us, but, Inside there, they, they are giving thousands of dollars, you know. I'm just asking for $2. They say they would rather give $1,000 to God, whom they can't see. I'm here, I mean, they can't even give me $5. How we treat the poor reveals what to truly think of the Gospel. Oh yeah, we, we have several reasons we push back when it comes to giving to the poor. Famous one is that the poor do not deserve our help because they brought it upon themselves. You know, they didn't want to go to school, or they did that. We have all the reasons to justify why we shouldn't help them. I wonder what would have been our fate if Jesus had taken the same attitude about us. I can't help you. You brought it upon yourself. You loved sin, and therefore I'm leaving you alone. Another reason that the poor, the poor are likely to abuse my kindness. If I give them money, the, the street kids, they'll spend it on glue and get drunk and or on any other substance abuse. So I'd rather keep the, <laughs> the money. <laughs> keep. <laughs> and drive off peacefully because I'm justified. <laughs> oh, God help us. Imagine if Jesus also held us to the same standard. That I don't want to set you free because once I liberate you and Prosper you and bless you, you will abuse the prosperity, you will, you will abuse the good life, the good hell. So I'm going to live in bondage. <laughs> Another one is that it's my money. I worked hard for it. So don't talk to me about who I should give it to. If Jesus had said it's my blood. <laughs> Because that is the only blood that could redeem us from sin. That is the only purest blood of the Lamb that was accepted before God's throne. No other blood could do it. Not the blood of bulls or goats. So if Jesus has said, no, I don't want to help this, because this is my blood. So what justification then do we have? Is this our understanding of the gospel? That the gospel is just for us and not for everybody? That is for the chosen few. Is this our understanding of the gospel? Go ye forth into the world and baptize all nations. Preach the gospel and baptize all nations. Bring everybody to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everybody. Without exception. How we treat the poor reveals what we truly think of the age to come. The, the goats in, the, in this parable, they clearly view themselves as believers. Because they also said, Lord, Lord. and they appeared very genuine about them not understanding how they didn't make it. says, where where, where did we see you? Their questions appear quite genuine. So in in their day-to-day lives, they were quite happy with what they were doing. They didn't see anything wrong with the attitude they took. You see, Jesus judges us not on our intentions, but on our deeds. If we love our money too much to give it away, then we are proclaiming that we are not too sure about this age to come. We are comfortable with the age that we are in. We are very much children of this age, so we are not willing and ready to give away our money, to give away, to be generous in any form. You can't talk to us about, we are storing for ourselves treasures in heaven. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh, we we want here. You see, the Zacchaeus effect has not yet gotten to us. The minute he he got salvation, he gave away his wealth. He saw the value of giving away his wealth to the needy, to the poor, and store for himself treasures in heaven. He saw it. He saw it right away. The early church did the same thing. The minute they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they went and sold their properties and their houses and made sure that no one had need amongst them. And the response was that the Lord added daily to them. There is a direct relationship between the way we treat the poor and the way the gospel is advanced. And that's how the church grew. It says he added daily. It was no longer the brilliance of the preaching of Peter. True, it was on the first day, three thousand ten, but on a daily basis because they took care of the poor, they took care of the needy, the Lord added. The Lord added. The Lord added. That's what it says. It says the multiplication was beyond. So clearly there were even more and more people to feed. They went and sold more and more of their, of their properties, of the real estate that they had. Because now they were in Jerusalem. They sold their houses and their businesses in Galilee where they had met Jesus. First time, they, you remember, a lot of them were, were business people, or the tax collectors. and all. They all moved into Jerusalem and sold their assets and made sure that everybody was taken care of. And that was the foundation of the church as we know it today. It grew because these people understood this very principle of taking care of the needy in order to grow. In the parable, Jesus is warning us that what we think of him and his gospel, together with all his promises about the age to come, is to be proven by what we say. Not by what we say, but by what we do. If we believe Jesus shed his blood for us, we should show it by the way we give those in need. We should view them as Jesus in disguise. The least of these you did it to me. John Wesley is famous also for the way he measured his way of life and pegged it at 28 pounds per month. When he was in college, he decided all he needed was 28 pounds. You live on that. And sure enough, that first year he made 30 pounds and gave away 2 pounds. In the years to come, he made as much as 1,500 pounds. He gave away 1,472 and lived on 28 pounds. He understood that the advancement of the gospel was related to taking care of the needs, of the needy. John Wesley, Methodist Church, as they say, the rest is history. There are only two groups of people, sheep and goats. The distinction between sheep and goats, is the fruit. In Romans 2, verse 5 to 9. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. You'll give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Gentiles, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. I just want to deal with a few words there in the interest of time and move on. It says hardness. They were hard. There was a hardness of heart. They were stubborn. They were uncaring. They had a hard heart. They would see a needy person and pretend they can't see because their hearts were hardened. They, 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 they had no care at all. They, they were not moved with compassion at all. Impeditant heart it talks of unrepented heart. Even if you brought that reality to them, they refused to change their ways. They refuse to see it any other way. He says, these are treasuring up. They are storing up wrath for themselves for the day of judgment. Every act is a storage of wrath for uh, the day of judgment. So these acts, that every time we, we harden our hearts, every time we, 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 we are unrepentant, every time we, we ignore the needs, we are storing for ourselves wrath. But for the children of God, in verse 7, those, those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory, says patience in well-doing, patience in well-doing, to cheerfully persevere, to patiently endure, and keep doing it, and keep going. I know the situation in Zimbabwe, I live here. But can I tell you that they are, we are far better off than a lot of people in the world? Actually, just by looking at our surroundings, and the glory on your faces, and the cars that are in the car park, and the cell phones on your laps, you are above, you're on the top 10% of wealth in the country, in the world. The top 10% bracket, that's where you are. You see, you've got rich man's problem. When you've got no coverage with your cell phone, that's a rich man's problem. (laughs) When you can't find fuel in total, that's a rich man's problem. (laughs) When there's only brown bread in the supermarket, that's a rich man's problem. <laughs> when you can't find your 2% milk, that's a rich man's problem. It says, but the Christians, they, they, they endured, they were patient. The Bible says, by their fruit, you will know them. It is by fruit, my brothers and sisters. It matters what we do. It does matter. famous scripture in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows from the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. You know, the law of sowing and reaping is three principles. You reap what you sow. Principle number one, you reap what you sow. Principle number two, you reap later than you sow. (laughs) Principle number three, you reap a lot more than what you sow. So what are you sowing? And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap. If we do not give up, so then as we have opportunity, whenever there is opportunity, I asked at the beginning, have you had an opportunity? So when, as we have opportunity, let us what? Do good to who? To everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. We must take care of our brothers and sisters, our leaders, our elders. But beyond that, we must also take care of the needy. It says, do good to everyone. The parable is really not a judgment of our sins. It's a judgment of our works. Because the sins were dealt with by Christ on the cross. It is the works that the parable is dealing with. The amazing thing, when you go back to the scripture, The amazing thing is that those that were doing good, that were taking care of the needy, didn't really seek a reward for so doing. They were not doing it with an agenda, so to speak. They were not doing it anticipating any reward. That's why they were surprised when they go to heaven and they were told, you you took care of me when I was in need of all these things. And they also not wanting to be in heaven, maybe due to a clerical error, they said, "Where, where did we do this? Where did we do this? They were doing it because they loved God. They were doing it not because they were seeking a reward. They were doing it because they loved God. Why? They were working through the works that were crafted by his craftsmanship. The works prepared for them to do good. That's what they were working through. And therefore, when they arrived in heaven, they were surprised because, of course, it wasn't of their doing. Jesus had prepared those works. That path had been prepared before they were born again. That once you're born again, you are crafted. This is the path you should walk. They walked the path just like the train. And therefore, when they arrived in heaven, they were being congratulated for having done (laughs) what was natural unto them because of how they were crafted. So they begged to understand. That's how genuine they are. They didn't say, I oh, you know, let's keep quiet. <laughs> We're already here. Who knows? <laughs> We're here. Just keep quiet. No. <laughs> he said, why did we do this? God takes these things very personal. They are personal to Him. He said, You did it to me. When you hardened your heart towards that, saying that to the gods, you did it to me. It was personal. It was personal. When you deny a needy person, it's personal. When you give a needy person, it's personal. God says, you did it to me. It's personal. It's personal. It's very personal with God. That's why in Proverbs 28, 27, it says, whoever gives to the poor will not want But he who hides his eyes will get many curses. And this came from the richest man who ever lived. He also says in Proverbs 19 verse 7, He says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. It's best now. He says, When you're generous to the poor, You're lending to me. It's best now. It's best now. He says, And I will repay him for his deed how would you like to have God as your (laughs) debtor? He says, just give to the poor, I owe you. You give to the poor, I owe you. It's personal where God is concerned. And in the parable, the goats were selfish. They hardened their hearts. Even when they saw the need, it was all about them. They were selfish. They refused to respond to the needs of the needy, even when they had the means, especially when they had the means to do that. The world says, get all you can and can all you get. (laughs) I guess sometimes living in Zimbabwe, we do feel that way. (laughs) But the word of God teaches (laughs) us. But the word of God teaches us to do good and not be weary. It matters to the Lord how we treat others, especially the poor. Are you taking care of those in need in your sphere? Your natural and spiritual parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, those that are not as well off as you are i do not as better off as you are. I desperately need it. Are you taking care of them? See, whenever you do that, you touch the heart of God. You touch the heart of God. It's not about cars, mansions, all these vacations. It's about people. Are you doing that? Are you taking care of those that I need in your sphere? I'm not saying you take care of the whole of Zimbabwe's need. No, change the life of just that one beggar. Be an answer to prayer. To that one blind person. Just that one. Change their lives forever. In 1 John 3.70 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, uh-uh. but in deed. Indeed, that's how we should love. We must do it. It must be demonstrated. Giving is divine. It's a godly nature because that's how God, that's how this relationship we have here today started. It was by God loving the world. And he gave his very best to an undeserving and unexpecting world. He gave. So the minute you gave, you, assume, you start giving, you're assuming the divine nature of God. The character, if I can loosen that word, the character of God begins to manifest in you because God gave. Because God gave. Every act of giving is demonstrating the nature of God in you. When they say you'll have treasures in heaven, what, what does that really mean? Treasures in heaven, treasures in heaven. What does that really mean? That you store for yourself treasures in heaven when you do certain things. It can't be cars, because no one is driving in heaven. Everybody's got a private plane. You know, you're all flying, (laughs) so no one needs cars. It can't be houses, because Jesus said, "I'm going to make in my Father's house there are many mansions." I'm going to mansions, not houses, mansions. So it can't be houses. Treasures in heaven. It can't be cash. <laughs> can't be bond notes <laughs> because there's no need cash arises as a result of need there's no need in heaven everything is on the house so it can't be cash it can be gold or precious minerals because gold is the road that's what they use for tar and diamonds and pearls are the gates <laughs> so it can't be any of that so what is this treasure in heaven? It's people. It is people. The treasure in heaven is people. When you touch people, you have treasure in heaven for you. That is true riches. It is about people. Jesus came down to die. Not for houses, not for cars, not for vacations, not for Fed Bank balances. He came to die for people. And that's what he considers. So when you reach out to the needy, you are in God's sphere. You are now in his backyard. This, it's, 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 it's personal. It matters to him personally. Because it's about people. True riches are about how we affect people. That's true riches. When you respond to the needy, when you take care of those that I need. It's about people. May God richly bless you in this series. Amen. you have been listening to a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org.